Good morning, oh. popcorn family. My name's Eli. I'm Isaac, and oh. I was unprepared. <laughs> and is here. We're here to talk about movies. Yeah, I might. Uh, I'll leave it like that. It's, it's good. Fine. It's a I good intro. Care. Whatever. How was your week, Isaac? It's fine. How was yours? It was amazing. I'm on the job hunt. I'm out of school and literally have n- too much time. It feels like I have no time because I have so much time. Does that make sense? I totally understand what that was like when I graduated too. I w- you're you have stuff to do and so yeah. you're like doing things, but then you have so much time well, it like, feels like that you're just I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm waiting on other people, but I also have to be like self-motivated and do my own projects and like show up for interviews and remember mm-hmm. which ones are on the phone and not on the phone. I was an hour late to one this week because <gasps> I thought it was a phone interview. What? And like as soon as it started, I double checked the email and they had told me it was in person and I just completely had missed it. So I had to well, show up. I would oh, discount man. that one. Well, no, I actually did really well. <laughs> oh, they immediately called me back. Yeah, which is funny. So. I'm sure they're not unaccustomed to computer nerds being late to things time is a construct <laughs> really realistically what, what is time time is a thing that really exists <laughs> no, every quote-unquote second everybody's getting older so uh, whatever mm. that's not what this is about we're not doing that today <laughs> no that's not what this is about so let's let's talk about today so we got a big day it's a it's a fairly standard episode but it's the start of a big series so it's more important yeah, than can normal talk about that a little bit um yeah i'll go ahead and well before you talk about that we yeah, will have let's our go through our other we'll start with our first. this week at the movies which will cover a drift this week oh which i have a lot of other stuff saw. it has to cover oh you also it's saw been other almost stuff? two weeks since no i'm just about oh, to shoehorn everything that oh, i want dang. to into okay. this category what else did i see another i saw another movie right Didn't, did we go see something else no Maybe not. not that I know. Maybe I've just been you too went busy. and saw Bad Samaritan, but that was last. Yeah, time. yeah, we already talked about that. Okay, well, yeah, I guess I just have a drift. You have all sorts of stuff. Apparently, I don't know about. It'll so. be like drive by. I'm just going to mention a couple of things wow. and say some things that I watched and have a couple share a couple. <laughs> you know, like a drive through. It's a drive through. <laughs> like, it'll be like Sonic. It's like, going to be okay. quick. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, and then we have our trailer watch, which is this week the Children Act international trailer number one i don't one. even know what I don't, this is it doesn't even sound like a movie it sounds i don't know what's gonna happen here but it's a bbc so this is british and i you know emma thompson is british and it she's looks in like it, it's gonna be super so. serious so probably so historical drama. in some sort of way yeah i don't know what it could be what it, i mean is this could it be about i don't know i, I think that I'm, I'm pretty sure i know what i'm vaguely sure that it's about emma thompson's gonna play a judge and That's it has it something like. to do with like who the child belongs to or who they should go to or something to that effect. So it's not child labor. This is after that. No, I think it custody with child custody. Oh, child custody. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I think I've heard about it, but I think that when I heard about this, it had a different name. So yeah, the children act is not catchy, but that's probably what it actually is called. Like the law. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> so what I was about to say too. I was about to say, passed. I think that's what it has to do with. Yeah. So that's fine. Okay. And then, of course, like we prefaced briefly and have left you hanging on the edge of your seat thinking about, we are starting a major series this week. Isaac, tell them what it's about. Uh, so uh, June is Pride Month, mm. and we sort of made a deal back when we were planning a couple of months in advance that if Eli was allowed to do his Marvel series, that through the month of June, I would be allowed to uh, choose all the movies for this month, and all of the movies will be lgbt themed prideful yes movies happy pride month everyone mm-hmm. definitely so and we're gonna talk i well 
I'll get into that, I think, when we like really get over there. But for me, this was an important series to do just because um, I have studied a lot about that. And it's certainly important to me as a member of that community that these films are given their due and there's a lot to say about them. And they make, to me especially too, they have made such a difference, especially recently. So that I really wanted to talk about them and I didn't want (laughs) my pick every single week to be (laughs) one of those. So I like that we could wrap them into a little series and we could do something special to talk about them and to really spend a lot of time um, digesting them a little bit. Um, And because I study a lot of that in school. So certainly that was a big thing for me. My honor. Do you consider this your area of film expertise? Um, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in it, but I certainly did a lot of studying to it. My honors thesis was about uh, male homosexual representations in the Memphis honors news media. Thesis. Did yeah. you print it out? Do you have it here? I don't have it here. It's pretty long. You should bring it sometime. We need to at least look it's at it. It's not exciting. We Guess should at least talk spoiler about Spoiler alert. It. <laughs> Guess how many representations of male homosexuality were in the Memphis news media in that month that I studied? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Actually, I think there was one. This guy got murdered and they thought he was gay, I think. But that was like it. How was he represented? It was real like shady. Like what they did. They kind of alluded to the fact, which, but I don't actually remember what happened, like, at the end of the story. Supposedly, it was because this guy might have been, like, secretly, like, he was hiding his true self. And then, supposedly, this other guy might have murdered him because of that, because they might have been in a relationship. But then I think that they found out that that wasn't the reason at all, which is why it was so weird. And the news tried to report about it, but covered a lot of that up. This sounds strikingly similar to the movie we watched this Because he was also African-American, too, which Uh, that has a big... That makes a big difference, too, hmm. to some extent within um, that culture, I think. So, it was a big, like, weird thing. It was very strange. Yeah. But yeah, spoiler wow. alert, I didn't have a lot to write about in that thesis. <laughs> There's a lot to write about that one, I guess, moment though. And that, I mean, that speaks volumes. It was the it only the thing yeah. I got to write about, basically. Crazy. So. Okay, but this week's movie and what we have started with, have we started, so did you order these in any sort of way? Is it most important to least important? Is no. it the opposite? So I chose four movies. I tried to think really, not critically, I would say, but I tried to come up Broadly? with- Yes. I tried to bring together four movies that I felt had something to say, and they all had something different to say to some extent. I did order them sort of quote unquote chronologically. So they kind of go through. Oh, in order of release. No, 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 no. no. That's not it either. In order of. In order of how they would have taken place. The time period that they are placed in themselves. Yes, in each movie. Yes. I tried to kind of do that. So, um, So I did that. And like I said, I choose. I tried to choose a variety of themes, settings, and characters so that we can discuss a lot of different aspects of queer life and the history and then the relationship between that and film and the way that those are portrayed on film. Excellent. All right. So this will be the first of our four episodes of Pride Week. Are you going to drop them all? Do you want to go ahead and say them all or do you want to just roll um, them out as normal? I mean, if people are interested in watching them in advance, certainly I can tell you what they are. I've pretty much selected them all. Okay. Um, I don't think I'm going to change at this point. So um, today we're going to talk about Brokeback Mountain, which I was very you nervous to include this really one. Quick? I'm going to Pride yeah. Month theme our website and put the movies up there. That's, That's cool. what needs to happen. I like so that too. We'll talk about that later. So do you want me to By tell the time them this they rolls are? out, yeah, I can put them all up there. Sure. Well, we started with Brokeback Mountain, which I'll talk about selecting Brokeback Mountain and the process that I went through for that because it was long and I went back and forth a lot. Yeah. 
I won't lie. Um, I chose Milk, which is the Gus Van Sant. I'm really excited about that one. Milk biopic. Harvey Milk biopic. Yeah, that's next. So that's week two, Milk. Week three? Uh, Is the Birdcage, which Ah. will be our uh, little foray into drag a little bit and kind of talking (laughs) about that and how it has to do with the things. Sort of this. And then the last one will be uh, The Kids Are All Right, which is Lisa Cholodenko's movie, which sort of places it in a modern, the most modern context that we sort of have, I guess, within these movies. So, Oh, I don't I don't think I realized that movie had like a strong LGBT like theming. I had no idea. We'll talk about that. Yeah, uh, I, I, that's <laughs> we'll talk that about cha- that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it looked good. I remember when it came out, but I don't think like seeing the trailer, I thought that about it does, the movie. But I have yeah, okay, yeah, it, okay. It okay. makes a difference. Okay. It has. I have stuff to discuss that. So yeah, like chasing Amy. I, I think that's it. Sort all of right. falls along that all line. All right, yeah. all right, all right. Cool. Okay, well, um, before we jump into our first segment of the week, we have a maybe one week only segment called "What Are the Popcorn Brothers Drinking?" <laughs> Isaac, what are you drinking? I'm having a Yazoo. You're it's having a, a spring Yazoo. seasonal. Yeah, can the you... Yazoo Spring Single Ale. Tell us a little bit about it. How's it taste? It's a take on an obscure Belgian style. Hmm. I think this is good. The, I like it. I think this is the first time that we've drank on the podcast. So cheers. Actually, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> nice okay i have this a isn't one of my true crime podcasts which almost all of my true crime podcasts involve drinking at the same time yeah, while they this talk is, about this is, we've murder. devolved <laughs> we've devolved into every other podcast so i have the lazy hiker brewing company trailmate golden ale uh from north it's from north carolina i think it was franklin north carolina brought to me by um Caden Orander, shout out. Thank you, Caden. This beer is actually amazing. It's a golden ale. I'm having a local beer to Nashville. Yazoo yeah. is local. This is local to not here, but it is. It's yeah. it's local to somewhere. So it's cool. pretty sweet. I'm a big fan. I like the I like the art. I like Fun the art stuff. Beer. Yeah. So that's what we're drinking this week. <laughs> uh thanks to our sponsors, beer. <laughs> JK, that's not a sponsor. No, beer, just beer in general. Okay. Now every week you hear a sound. <laughs> And we talk about this week at the movies. So, yesterday, no, mm-hmm. yes, yesterday, yesterday, we went to the movies. We went to the movies and we saw the movie Adrift. And uh, let, Isaac, do you want to describe the plot? It's it won't take long. Well, this is the thing. I just have to. We have to know now. Are we going to go full spoiler alert, or are we going to shy away? from I don't think we should go full spoiler alert because because then we don't really have a lot to talk about. I feel like yes, I think people should see the movie. I think we can. I think we can judge it without spoiling it at this point. Okay. Well, if I'm judging it without spoiling it, it's just like every other movie I've ever seen with anybody who got stuck on a, a boat in the middle of the ocean. Like so, like you're saying, it's just like Life of Pi. Without spoiling anything else <laughs> it's like life of pie it's like all is lost it's like what's that boat oh i haven't seen what's all that? is lost i haven't either but well, i just assume you know? i just assume it's the same this is people that are that's a abandoned big assumption. On, i mean it is but it's just people who are abandoned on the ocean and they it's a survival story like well this is based on a true story is all is lost based on a true story probably oh multiple people have been stranded on the ocean and survived okay well this was Okay, okay, okay. Well, we'll go over the plot really briefly. Oh, well, I just spoiler alert a part of it. but <laughs> <laughs> It's called Adrift, so I don't think what you said is a spoiler because the movie is about being adrift in the ocean. Yes. So, 
Um, a girl, uh, it, a wild girl from San Diego. She's wild. She's wild. She's she a kind of is. She likes to surf and live on. The, she lives on the beach, making a, in a salsa company with her friend and just for a like long moving time. Moving around, yeah, like she, kind of nomadic. Yeah. Um, she decides to go to. Is it Puerto Rico? Where are they? Oh, I straight up could never beginning. figure out where it was. I thought it was like in the South Pacific. He says like, why do you want to be here at the very beginning? Anyway, she goes to some country. It's not Mexico, but. I thought it was in Asia. Like I thought it was in. Oh, really? I th- I thought they were going to. I could never figure out where they actually were, but I thought it was supposed to be like. Somewhere tropical. Doesn't matter. In like. Anyways, yeah. yeah. This like girl, where they set every season of Survivor nowadays. This girl <laughs> who is basically wanderlust and just like living around trying to find out what she wants to do, who likes to surf. Um, she ends up working at a dock and is cleaning. Since it seems like she's cleaning boats and helping okay, people dock their boats. <laughs> real detailed into this plot. Anyways, we don't need to do that. She meets a guy and they have dinner and they fall in love. 50% and, of this movie is a love story and 50% of it yes, is the survival. Story. That's a good way of putting it. They fall in love. They start sailing around together and then a, they run into a couple that the male. So the man's he name is them. Richard and yeah. her name is Tammy. Richard played by Sam Clayton. Yes. Tammy played by Shailene Woodley. Yes. And so Richard runs into an old English couple that he knows who they they have coffee and they figure out that the old English couple, the has mom, to leave. The, yeah, the lady's dad has died, has gotten sick. They need to fly to England and their boat lives in San Diego. And they're like, they're going hey. to, they're sending the boat back to San Diego. Yeah. They're like, we'll pay you a bunch of money if you go do this. And he's like, can I take my girlfriend? And they're like, sure. And he's like, all right, let's do this. And they don't check the weather. And so they decide to I sail think they up do the coast. Check the weather. They're just sailing in <laughs> across the Pacific at yeah. any given time, which I'm sure is just going to be bad at some point basically based on a true story these people sail into a category five hurricane and was it boat, category five yeah for real? yeah it turns five at first it's just oh, like winds. Just, it hits like, four and then it goes into five boat, like, yeah <laughs> so they run into that their boat capsizes and then they end up adrift literally in the um in the pacific ocean and i guess the bottom and line they try to get to hawaii yeah They're as far as i'll put it hawaii is to, at that point they live. talk about they talk about ocean currents and like the wind currents and they literally couldn't make it to san diego even though that would be closer i think as far yeah, as miles that's what it, said. it was hard because it was currents. against the wind yes yeah. so they shoot for hawaii which is really risky but apparently is what sailors would do but way back when if things went wrong or if they couldn't make it stuff things like that so that's um that's the story and it's based on a true story and they end up adrift for 45 days before they are rescued, which isn't a spoiler because it's based on a true story, but I won't go into any more detail than that because there are things about the story that could be spoiled and I won't spoil them. Unless you know the story, then I guess nothing would be a spoiler. Well, I won't say. I can't (laughs) say anything because I'm just, I'm not going to say anything because I feel like it gives it away no matter what I say. Based on its... I guess, uh, like cinema, graphical, cinematographical, cinematography, cinematographical, wow, you're struggling. this beer is Cine- really no, wait, how would you say that? Cinematography is there's, there's not like say, a descriptive no, you would word. say, how was the cinematography? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Based on its cinematography and its acting and maybe it's like it's script things that we can say without spoiling it. Sure. What do you think? Isaac? I wasn't really that impressed. Okay. Um, acting too, of course. The cinematography didn't really do a lot for me. It and seemed again, like it was going to be better in the trailer. They com- hyped it yeah. up. Yeah. Compared, well, I think it was just, and like going into it, I didn't really think about this, but I don't think it was a very high budget movie. No. I think they did a lot with what they had, but yeah. considering. Yeah. They it's kept not it really, small scale. And oh, yeah. That way, like, the, I mean, they used 
used some CGI and it was good when they oh, used it. it was, yeah, because it was a reasonable. lot of they do a lot of like overhead shots of the boat like from far away, but you can tell you can't tell, but you know in your mind that that's CGI because you're like, there's no way that they really shot this. Like went out into the ocean and shot that. Like, I mean, they could have, they could have, but it would have cost way more money than they could just yeah, superimpose a boat on like the water or whatever. I wonder, I wonder what the price difference is. Cause I mean, going out to the ocean doesn't seem like it would be that difficult. Um, I don't know, but also a lot of this was, I'm a big fan of life of pie, which also is relevant to this, uh, yeah. week's podcast because they were, Life of Pi and Brokeback Mountain were shot by the same person. By ah, Ang Lee. Lee. He directed both of them. And Life of Pi is amazing, which I was not. I read the book of Life of Pi first, and I wasn't really that much of a fan, but we I went to the movie, and I... Didn't actually love that movie. I think that Life of Pi is a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, you really should. He does a lot, and it's really interesting. And to me, Life of Pi takes the same survival story, which you always feel, I feel like I knew that they were going to live. You know what I mean? And Life of Pi to me just makes the survival story and takes it to a different level because it adds all of these other themes. You can do that. It is to some extent, but it adds all of these other themes to it because it's obviously make up any story you want with any plot you want and tell me it won't be better than the true story. It just adds a lot more theming to it thematic elements that makes it more interesting to me okay there was nothing in this movie that i really felt like was any different than any other oh we were caught in a storm and we're on a boat and we're stranded yeah i guess they could have. also the dialogue was real clunky to me yeah i didn't like a lot of the dialogue there there ended up being a lot of like just cheesy one-liners that looked like they were not well written they were just like Let's write some lovey-dovey, talk to your girlfriend stuff. I will say, Shailene Woodley, I'm always so, I'm just sort of mystified by her because sometimes I feel like she's not a great actress, like, i.e., she was in Secret Life of the American Teenager, which was a terrible television program, and she was on that, and it was so terrible. Did she but act somehow, well in it? no. (laughs) Which also could be it could be the the content. You know what I mean? No, but like it could have been that the writing was so terrible that literally nobody could have saved that. Yeah. And then on the flip side, you also have her in Divergent, which I didn't think she was anything interesting in Divergent. But then she was in um, Big Little Lies on HBO and she held her own against which holding your own in the sense that I didn't expect a lot from her. And I was still pretty impressed when basically you're also being given a master class by Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon at the same time. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought she was pretty impressive here. I thought she was good. Sam Clayton, give or take. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> in, there wasn't really anything special there with him, I didn't think. But Shailene Woodley did a really nice job. Fair. There were a surprising amount of shots of them having dinner in places. I felt like it just at the beginning of the movie, it kept ending up with them like <laughs> having like romantic conversations over dinner. And I was like, how many times are they going to put them in this well, situation for eat. the plot advancement? People have to eat. Put them anywhere else. <laughs> like you have so many options. Like why do they have to keep drinking wine over dinner? It's like the only thing they could come up with. It happens like three times, but I digress on that. Okay. So we've talked about cinematography. We've talked about the acting. We talked about the script. There's not, I don't have anything else um, to say about it. Really. There's not too much more. We talked about the CGI being pretty good. Um, it's an okay summer movie to go see. Um, I want to say the editing. I guess that's the last thing we should talk about before I give oh, my final rating. Oh, the way rating. that the story was structured? Yeah, the way that the story was structured. It's frustrating to me because what I'm going to say about it is it makes sense once you've finished watching the movie, why they structured the movie the way they yeah. structured the movie to give you access to certain information at certain times. Well, like but, we also said, it's 50% 
yeah. like romantic movie and 50% yeah. survival. You couldn't watch an hour of them falling in love and then an yes. hour of them trying to survive because it would seem like two totally different movies. Yeah, but I honestly think I would have preferred that because I feel like the middle of this movie was so weak because it didn't seem like anything good enough was happening when they were cutting they, to and fro in the middle yeah it seemed like it just didn't seem good enough to i just me. didn't i will tell you i understand why they did that and i feel like you have to do it that way just to keep interest in the story and to keep the tone from being completely like outrageous between the first half and the second half yeah but i would have rather had more i didn't feel like their tra- transitions detail. were very good yeah like they didn't make them flow between the two stories cleanly and in a way that made sense that I was would, the problem yes i think that's true i would have rather had less of the flashbacks to like just them being in love that seem like romantic movie lover fan service kind yeah, of every time because we flipped to that i rolled if my we eyes had, a yeah lot. if we had f- filed out some of that and kept the front end shorter and then left like the back two thirds of it to be survival, but also have her like inner, not dialogue or monologue, but like her struggling with her memories or thinking about it or like mm, doing things that yeah. reminded her of stuff more. So See, connecting that was it like that it, yeah. would have been way better in my opinion. And you could have said more with it. There are plenty of movies that have used the same device in the sense that like you flash back between two different time periods, but you make them more organic in a way and you make you tie them in better. It seems like they were trying to do that. They just didn't know how to do it very well. Yeah, it seems like um, action movie people tried to make something that was a little bit more than an action movie and didn't pull it off very well. Yeah, I can see that. I would think that I give it anyways. What's six out of ten? Yeah, that was totally where it hit for nice. me. Too. All right, exactly six out of ten. So, Adrift, uh, directed by or made by the Han- Hanoi brothers. I have no idea. Th- I mean, I didn't there, even were, pay th- there were two it was other no trailers names that I could even recognize. Two other trailers for their like movies because they have like the, all the Asian characters. I guess Japanese or Korean or I don't know what it is, but it's H Brothers. Did you not see that? This movie mm-hmm. was by them, and two of the other trailers we watched by were by H Brothers. So I guess yeah, yeah, kind of interesting. Which ones? Um, I don't remember exactly. I'll look it up since we're here. This is kind of an important thing because I it wasn't was the Crazy Rich Asians movie, was it? I'm not sure. I don't think it was. Um, H Brothers movies, maybe. I'm trying to. Who a H U A Y I who I who who I'm not even gonna try and butcher it anymore. <laughs> um, Molly's Game. Oh, they did Molly's Game. Interesting. Are they producers? Um, it says is a. Blank Brothers Media Corp is a Chinese multinational entertainment company that owns a film studio, television production company, talent agency, record label, and movie theater chain. Well, that's Dang, a lot. That's a lot of things. Okay, let me try and find the Well, movies. hurry up and try to find this. Ah, uh, productions. Um, uh, one's The Forbidden Kingdom. I recognize oh, that. Oh, I know what that is, too. Um, I recognize just going through here. Nothing else yet. Warcraft, mm-hmm. um, Hardcore Henry was a, a lot of people I don't think figure or knew about this probably or I've ever heard saw of it. it vaguely. It was a shot completely in first person. Oh, like, oh, I like know GoPro what you're talking with, like, about. A lot yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of like parkour and it was like a first person shooter basically like Call of oh, Duty, but the stressful. movie. Yeah. Edge of 17. Oh, I know. What that yeah. Is. That's so weird. Uh, let's see. Are they, ba- they must be just produced. Bad Moms. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, this is super weird. I didn't know any of this. Molly's Game. 
the happy time murders oh my gosh i'm so excited yeah, about isn't that this one. weird so it is super weird yeah they just must be producers or yeah. they have a production company that's involved in this okay anyways well interesting i feel like they could step their game up i guess because everything that i've seen from them is perfectly serviceable it just doesn't really seem I like i don't it's, think their movies have a lot of soul it seems like yeah. they miss that like that they're mark, very technically like perfectly fine movies oh yeah and, like there that was, was actually with some a, great cinematography in this occasionally and i feel like yeah. the coloring was like superb it's like it's like so good it's unrealistic like you you just yeah. like you're like that's not even real but it was just like a drift was perfectly fine yeah i yeah, just didn't agreed. feel much of one way or the other about it it was just fine yeah i think uh i think that's where we can uh place it up there on yeah, the sixth and we shelf. We talked a lot, so. like way too much about that movie. No, we're we're good at what we do. That's why we do it like this. I had other things to talk. You about. You have too. a lot to talk about. So here, check out this sound. I was still going to talk about. Oh, okay. I won't play the sound there. I was trying to run through all of the other things I watched because now that it's summertime and I don't have regular television, I'm a big television person. Oh, okay. So I have so many. Oh, go for like, it. Okay. Well, I did want to run through. I've watched a lot of stuff and I've binged three TV series this week, basically. Do or in the work? last two weeks. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but then I come home and watch stuff. Quickly, I, of course, watched the new season of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which was fantastic. Better than season three. Oh, is that three. brand new this week? Uh-huh. They're on four seasons. Yeah. Hey. They released the first half of season four. Hilarious. Better than season three. I was real disappointed in season three. Season four, not a letdown. So that's the good thing there. Me and my roommate watched 911, which is a Ryan Murphy TV show that came on yeah, Fox. Yeah, you told me that. Um, it's basically like Grey's Anatomy, except for first responder people. Not great, but entertaining, <laughs> certainly. Yeah. The one I really wanted to talk about, which people probably don't know about, is Catastrophe. It's on Amazon and uh, these two, I guess they, they're comedians or they're writers. Their names are Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney. They write okay. the whole thing and they act in it. It's basically about an American man and a Irish woman who met and had like a one week stand type thing and she gets pregnant. And then the whole rest of the show, I watched three seasons of it. They were thirty minutes. They were thirty minute episodes, oh, and there okay. were six episodes a season. That's so really it takes, short. Yeah. yeah, it's not even nine it's hours. Like you totally. could do that in one day. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just how like much of a disaster they are, and they're so just frank, and they seem it seems so real, like how real people it sounds react like shameless. To, it kind of is. I've never seen Shameless. I've only yeah. seen like an episode here or there. It's very kind of similar. Shameless to me is a little outrageous. It is. Like, oh, there's eight kids. But it's they, more realistic you know. than a lot of things that I watch, But honestly. it captures that same sort of tone. And it has very like dry British humor, which I kind of also like that uh, to it. Because the girl is, is Irish. And, uh, okay. and they live in England. So anyways, if you're into that sort of thing, the girl, Sharon Horgan... She was in Game Night. She was the girl, the smart girl that came with the dumb young guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought she was so funny in that. Yeah, she did great. And I couldn't figure, I couldn't figure out where I, mean, I knew her from. They stole the show. That was good. Yeah, and she is really exceptional. She also apparently makes other TV shows, and one of them is the uh, Sarah Jessica Parker show that's on HBO called Divorce. So apparently, she does a lot of stuff. I've never seen that show either, but she is clearly and then i love that they the two of them write the show and also act in it too so it really is like it's almost an auteur type thing where they conceived this they make it themselves basically they're in it like and so it really feels like they know what they're doing with it and it's just really funny really great i would highly recommend that one of the three 
Yeah, good run through there. I'm glad you had stuff to talk about this week. You've been I'm complaining just when we mouth. don't go to the movies that I talk about <laughs> things, and now you have like seven things to talk about. I'm on sorry, one week. I do still have more that I'm going to dredge up really quickly too. Okay. Also from Amazon. Wait, before you do I that, I put my prime product to use this week. <laughs> so we didn't say that a drift may not be for someone who is squeamish because there is some bodily injury. Oh yeah, totally. and like wound maintenance in that movie that was pretty gnarly. I'm going to be real. If, if you're afraid well of the ocean, oh. It's yeah. very like anxiety inducing. Yeah, you you might have anxiety. It's not I for the faint of heart. Never. Even though it's not a horror movie, it's just not for the faint of I heart. I would never so. get in one of those boats. Definitely in the ocean. brace yourself if you're going to it. It's like we said it was like a light summer flick oh, for no, everyone, it's but it's not for everyone. <laughs> it's a little more hardcore Henry than that. So okay, just wanted to insert that in case anyone like listened to that and was like, I'm gonna take my kids. So don't. I would kids. never get on a boat like that and go for like out of eye shot of shore. I actually never. decided that I'm going to learn to sail because this movie, I don't know. I don't know how that could happen that I see a movie about like a violent, horrible sailing incident and it makes me want to learn how to sail. I, just, yeah, I like, did the complete opposite. I'm never getting I'm on totally, that boat. I cannot wait to join. There's, there's a yacht club nearby where they do sailing lessons. I'm going to go. You can go to two for free. I'm so excited. Oh, man. Anyways. I was really quickly going to run by some Amazon movies that I watched too. Um, both of them are Sean Baker movies. Um, and the Florida, I wanted to bring this up because the Florida project was actually on our 2017, like best okay. of list. Or mm-hmm. like we talked about that or like movies we still wanted to see that came out in 2017. Anyways, I watched two of his movies. The first one was Tangerine. Tangerine was shot on three iPhone five S's brutal and it's a full-length movie um it caught a lot of festival attention um it is about trans sex workers that live in los angeles and like fictional account of that community it's sort of um i think it was kind of a give and take a little bit yeah. like he hired authentic it's a fairly trans accurate actresses account. yes okay. um i don't think they were sex workers probably but um but they were trans actresses that he hired and it sort of just gives like a day in the life kind of of one of them who it, who escapes i didn't say escapes they are released from prison looking for their boyfriend and sort of what their everyday life is kind of like it kind of sean baker's movies very much capture sort of a community that people don't necessarily um think very highly of probably and that they understand in a way and he sort of just brought their everyday life in tangerine to the screen and sort of showed that it's kind of a comedy almost in a way it's sort of it over takes the a top. lighthearted approach to yes. kind of like a get very, away from the subject matter yeah, but also exactly. present it that makes a lot of sense um definitely with that one uh florida project which is about um, i wanted to see this this looked super good i saw a trailer one time um oh no your face i actually liked it better i'll oh, tell you man. that i liked it better than tangerine i think it had more to say than tangerine in a way tangerine wasn't bad i just didn't quite feel a real message from it i guess it was sort of a day in the life and like you understand that more so like a revealing of this community just to have people think about it as opposed to like we have a strong message that we're trying to get across so in florida project um sort of this girl she's six years old she lives with her single young mother motel right in a motel right outside of Disney world, sort of in Kissimmee, like literally down the street. Great place to be. But I mean, they are dirt poor and her mother is not like working very hard or trying to do a lot. It sort of also gives a slice of life of what it might be like for people that kind of live in that too. It has Green Goblin in it, right? 
it does have um yeah i cannot think of his name off the top of my head right now it's i know he was nominated he was nominated for the oscar and i probably would have voted for him instead of sam rockwell oh, um wow. sam rockwell is he in that too Sam Rockwell was in three billboards and actually won oh, the yeah, Oscar. Right. I know what his name is and I can't think no, of it. No, you don't. Willem Dafoe. That's it. He <laughs> was really great. He he runs the motel in the movie. Okay. And I was watching that and it was again a slice of life and I didn't really, um, I couldn't tell where it was going. The plot is pretty light this in that Florida movie. This is Florida Project now. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we're but still it had a lot project. to say still. The plot is very light and it's very much similar to Tangerine in that it's like kind of like the it's a slice floaty of indie life. movie, right? Like Little Miss Sunshine oh, or anything else. Yeah. Well, but the plot is so thin on there until More towards like Napoleon the end. Dynamite. It very much like ramps up as the movie goes on more and more of the scenes have reference to the mm. arc of the plot. Probably like Sunshine Cleaning. Have you seen that? It's yeah. very much like that. Yes. Cool. Um, and then I was just, I didn't know what to make of it up until the final scene which I won't spoil it, but the final scene of that movie is it just, crazy? Does it hit the hit the fan? It knocked me like out. Like Whoa. I was, I thought you were standing, <sighs> but you were sitting after the final it's scene. It's just it's perfect for what you've watched. You've watched an hour and a half, basically, yeah. or so, yeah. and then you were wondering where it led and it led to this point, And you, it's just a lot of emotion, and it's a lot. Uh, and vindication. I know emotionally not, not well, vindication i don't even think it's vindication it just brings like a it punch to in the such, gut it brings it to such a swell uh. and you're and you it doesn't you know closure i know some people really need closure i'm, no prom- closure I'm not here. promising that there <laughs> but it just puts it to such a perfect ending for the movie and what the movie has been to that point mm. and i so it's about like family and growing up is that what you would say is that where it it's just the situation really just and i know wow. because i have a special like i can't say it without spoiling it don't so spoil it don't spoil it i can't exactly I point it, it out but i'll tell you if you watch the whole thing t- like i th- i wanted to give up on it too i promise you i did i thought halfway through i'm like i don't even know where this is going just what like it's mother doing. 100 <laughs> percent. but i got to that last scene and i thought this is what i waited this whole movie for you didn't feel like so. that in mother no i didn't <laughs> i love mother i did and that last scene in florida project i will never probably forget that like that's impressive i can okay. i have seen a lot of movies in my life and i like you mentioned sunshine cleaning i vaguely know what you're talking about i couldn't tell yeah. you one scene from that oh, really? i will never forget that last scene and those last like couple of minutes of florida project i won't forget okay it. that's rad yeah, because I'm trying to think of another movie in that indie style that's done that. Because I feel like there are a bunch, but some of them now have kind of faded from my memory, I guess. I know Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is still one that like has me thinking regularly. And I compare movies to that. And like that one, I think, did really well. Yeah, I think it's funny that everybody kind of, I mean, just attaches to certain movies. You never know what they are necessarily. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I mean, I'm there. I will not. Like I said, I won't forget those scenes. Those last couple of them. Yeah all right all right so Let's now that wrap. we've dragged that on for forever all right we are going to watch this is going to be the fastest trailer <laughs> yeah watch of i your don't life. think we're gonna yeah so you're gonna hear a sound <laughs> and we're gonna watch this trailer this is the children act international trailer number one if you're driving don't stop driving keep driving just listen to this chill little beat for a second and we will come back with a review of this trailer if you're not driving we are at movie clips trailers on youtube.com use your internet 
make it happen check it out pause this then come back here we go All right, we are back. Isaac has his second beer. We just watched the oh trailer gosh, for the children. Act. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, chills. This looks freaking rad. And I had no idea. Really? I, yeah, I think so. I don't. This is obviously based on a true story. I'm going I think to guess. It is, yeah. I don't know this story. I. It if sounds not, interesting. It certainly takes stories that we have seen in the news especially yeah. with this sort of subject content yeah really quick emma thompson is a judge who is so focused on her work that her husband feels that they've grown distance and approaches her wanting to have an affair and like oh, openly do it really hardcore like the side plot like, it is a side plot but it compares to the main plot of this movie which is actually about her having to preside over a case where a child cannot have a blood transfusion that he needs to survive because of his religious his beliefs and his, his parents religious beliefs so she has to rule whether or not something should happen in that case. Basically, I think she ends up with the decision of whether or not this child is going to get a blood transfusion, even and though the parents live. don't want yeah. it. Yeah. Probably the hospital pulling a suit against them because they're saying, no, he can't have it. And like literally it'll kill him, but he's a minor, so they can't do anything. Yeah. I would I would guess it's something like that. And this looks really good, really well acted. It says it's bracingly intelligent. Well, some review said <laughs> which i immediately looked over out. to isaac and said is that boring does that mean boring but <laughs> you never know um i don't know i think it looks really good i give that trailer it looks a interesting eight Actually, out of ten for revealing a lot of good plot without making it terrible at the beginning i thought they were gonna do a bad job in the trailer because they so bracingly hit on the kid who says she's like why don't you want a blood transfusion and he's like what is anything how about a failing marriage and then it, like they just <laughs> talked about or like having an affair he says something so like on the like nose about that i was whether like what's right I was or like, wrong i was like oh yeah. no they're gonna be really bad with this but the rest of it made it seem like they actually handle everything pretty well and probably have a lot of a lot of cool stuff to say so yeah i give that trailer an eight out of ten and i will go see this movie oh no we don't do that we don't rate them i'm gonna go see this well we kind of do i think that we uh, judge whether or not the trailer is good in the first place which i think I this think is the a good is trailer good. yes does it say I'm surprised a, i don't we'll see what the movie uh, it's always hard when a movie is so much about like acting kind yeah. of because yeah. you don't it's really dicey onto whether this is going to be like a great movie or not but i mean if you put people like Emma Thompson and Stanley Tucci in a movie. I mean, honestly, I would bank on it being better than worse because those people are phenomenal actors. So, yeah, cool. Okay. And, um, yeah, this, I'm surprised that this, oh, I haven't I would seen totally any see marketing. This too. It looks like Oscar bait and yeah. you know that I go to the Oscar bait movies. <laughs> yeah. So you can, you've heard it here first. We're assuming this movie is nominated for many and probably winning at least one award for something. Isaac Again, agrees. this one also ties into what we're talking about today because it said Academy Award winner Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson won the Academy Award for writing Sense and Sensibility, not for her acting. Who directed Sense and Sensibility? Angley. He did. Ah, that's a guess, <laughs> but we're on point here. We're on point here today. It's like things, six degrees of separation everywhere. Things are full circle. <laughs> we're professionals. Just listen to us. Um, this only has 53,000 views. The trailer only dropped, it looks like, two days ago. I'm it's surprised. Really low, yeah. I haven't seen any marketing for this. I didn't know this was a movie. When did I they say it was coming out? I picked it randomly. Um, I don't know if it said when it was coming we out. We picked it randomly because nothing else came out this week, it seemed like. U.S. release date 2018. It means late 2018, probably. Yeah, so I guess the marketing for this... It, I mean, there's more than six it's months... It's also a British film, though, so... Yeah, you know, it doesn't look like it would have had a super high budget other than for the actors. Yeah. So, who knows? 
who knows okay um hey go see that it looks dope we're we're done with the trailer watch yeah let's get into it isaac this is your show you're <laughs> coming in from stage right the okay. spotlight is on i'm pulling up the curtains the audience is there a thousand people sitting in a theater okay that's well a eyes on much. you what do you have to say well here we are to talk about the meat and potatoes <laughs> the first entry in our pride month series yes. of films brokeback mountain yes and I think we'll just go right into it. Okay. We'll just start right there and say... Plot. What did you know about this movie before you watched it? I knew that Ready? they were gay cowboys. The gay cowboy movie. That is all That's I what knew. everybody knows. I saw a Family Guy skit at one point where like, there of are course. horses. Do you know the skit I'm talking about? No, I where don't. Where the horses are talking outside and they're like... What are, what are those guys doing? And like one of the horses pokes his head in the tent and he like freaks out and he runs away. That's like that's literally like all I knew about Brokeback Mountain basically. That's what I figured. And I kind of <laughs> figured as much. And I mentioned this. I mentioned this as I was watching the movie to you because I was like, wow, they get through that part really fast and there's a whole movie left. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Here's where we're going with this. I had a hard time yeah. putting this one in this series and I've had a hard time picking it because it's just so like when you say, when you kind of say Brokeback Mountain and people don't know yeah. about it, yeah. it's just an instant, like it's a punchline. It's a joke. I think, it's like roll your eyes about it because it's just the gay cowboy So yeah, movie. I had not seen this movie and for anyone listening to this that probably saw the title and may have gotten this far and hasn't seen this movie and is trying not to watch this movie, you should give it a shot. It's really worth it and it's not at all what it's told it's made out to what be by people that, that it is yeah anyone that has told you something about the movie negatively has probably never seen it and was literally just being fed information from sources and decided to parrot that information to be cool that is about what i've gathered because so little of the movie is focused on what i knew about the movie and what i'd heard about the movie that it's it's almost mind-boggling that it's talked about it the way it is because yes. it is amazing. It deserves the attention that it had gotten at the time for being a great Absolutely. movie. Yeah. It, and really when so, you get down yeah. to it, it is a fantastic movie. Yes. Really well done. Every sort of, it's hitting on all cylinders. Yeah. Every part of it is really excellent. And I did the thing that held me back from picking it. Eventually, of course I did. And I put it in here, but I felt like I couldn't do this without, Mostly, and might we might end up mostly talking about the cultural significance of it because yeah. it really mattered. Yeah. It really did. It is a great movie on its own. It stands on its own. Ignore the jokes and the like punchlines. And like I said, because that's what it makes it's made out to be sometimes. But it really is a fantastic movie. And it really did a lot. And it really matters in the context of queer cinema, I think, which I just used that word. And I think that we should briefly just say that when I use the word queer here, 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 it's sort of in a sense that I like that word. And a lot of people, we've sort of been reclaiming it, I think in the way that it is just an all encompassing word. And I actually frequently when I used it, when I was in school, we used it in the same way, instead of using all the acronyms like LGBT or whatever, you kind of use queer cinema as like a umbrella term for everything that can go up under that it includes gay men it includes lesbians it includes bisexuals trans anything else you can possibly think of sort of goes under that umbrella and so we've sort of taken that back and so i will probably use that word term a lot just to sort of encompass things when you can't necessarily identify it specifically mm -hmm. that's what you use generally speaking you can okay. use it generally speaking yeah so if you're like me and you hadn't seen this movie and you had any 
preconceived notions about it. I'm assuming they were probably the same ones I had. If not, someone who had actually seen it gave you a positive review. I highly encourage you to pause this episode and actually go watch it, which I don't think we do that a lot of the time. Maybe it's because the movies aren't always actually that good that we watch and we just end up reviewing like, them for different I reasons. I feel like but. I try to encourage it. I always <laughs> feel like people will get more out of our discussion if they've if seen they've the movie seen the before. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like you're probably like mentally participating if you actually yes. have seen it and like thinking about what we say and like what we might have missed. And, and people might, tell me what we miss a lot of times, and it's interesting to hear that. Well, yeah, and even when we come into discussions, sometimes I have things that I forget to say, and you know, and everybody reads everything differently, which I think is that's one of my favorite things about discussing film or discussing yeah. aspects of culture is that everybody gains or pulls something different out of stuff. Not to mention the fact that pieces of our culture like a film or a novel or any of that stuff it relates to the way that people read it and it relates to the broader sense of the population in completely different ways and like i said i picked brokeback mountain ultimately we can talk about the great strengths of the movie which is important but even more than that was its cultural significance within when it came out what it said what it was doing and the way that it changed a lot of discussions and it changed a lot of things going forward so Rad. All right, let's rock and roll yeah, into it, Yeah, let's go Isaac. into it. So I guess we start with production usually. Yes. Uh, Brokeback Mountain is a movie that was made in 2005. It okay. is based on a short story by Annie Prue. Prue. That's her name. It's Any other writings that we might know? So she is a Pulitzer Prize winning author. I okay. think that she won the Pulitzer for a novel or for a series of short stories. I'm not really sure. I've heard of The Shipping News before, which is another book but unless you're i feel like unless you're really high up into american literature you're probably not gonna know modern american i wouldn't say that it's particularly important other than the fact that i have read the short story i have a book that has the short story the screenplay and sort of some discussions from annie peru and the screenwriters diana osana and larry mcmurtry yeah and it is really interesting the short story and the movie are very similar and I think that Annie Prue, I've read in her sort of excerpt that she talks about the movie, she talked about how the screenplay did such a great job of really capturing the characters and the stories. And it really does. I've read both of them. So hmm. I can okay. tell you that it is, does a phenomenal job. All of these things that the story turns all of these aspects of the story and all these elements and puts it into the dialogue. Sometimes the conversations that Jack Twist and Ennis Del Mar have are literally culled from the short story and from the information that you're given about them and it puts it into dialogue. It's an incredible transformation from the short story into the adaptation in the film. There's a lot of dialogue that explains a lot about what's going on in the movie like as far as the characters are concerned which I found was interesting. Like it was like watching conversations a lot of the time as opposed to like having visual cues for telling you what the characters were doing. So it relied on the acting. I think and honestly I can't say enough about how it really is on every point. I mean, the short story is fantastic. Mm -hmm. The screenplay is a great transformation of that. And it's great on its own too. And then Ang Lee on top of that does a great job capturing what's on the page and then adding to it with just the way that he shot the movie too, especially in that first part where you have a lot of landscapes, the mountains and the sheep and not a lot of dialogue between Jack and Ennis. No, but he, the, the images that he puts on film of the area and 
and our memory card was full so <laughs> we i don't know how long we talked after that little short moment it but this will be long. we were talking about angley's direction and how he takes the script and turns it into a full-on incredible movie by especially with the first half capturing images in a way that you don't have to have dialogue it just has the images and it's still telling you the story yeah I don't know where to go after that. We were going to, we just made that more concise. I I literally think that we were basically where we still were. We didn't really go that far. Oh man. Anyways, essentially I was just trying to say, talking about that, um, the people that are involved are just really talented people. Yes. In all capacities. Um, Oh, I think that I was getting into, I was getting into the production in the sense that Gus Van Sant Mm -hmm. had tried to shoot this movie before. That's right. He thought about about it. Um, he wanted to do this movie. He wanted to have Matt Damon and Joaquin Phoenix play the two leads. Yep. Um, and Matt Damon came from his talented Mr. Ripley movie, but Gus, uh, Goose. That movie was super weird. Didn't uh, like let's it. Not, yeah, let's, let's not. not we've there. already said that on here before. Okay, okay good. Neither no of us one are should really go fans. See it. Go ahead. Anyways, and Goose sort of said, I already made a gay movie in The Talented Mr. Ripley, and I had already made All the Pretty Horses, which I'm pretty sure also has Matt Damon in it, and it's a Western. So he said, I can't make a gay movie and then a Western movie and then make a gay Western movie. So he didn't do it. Ultimately, though, this is interesting, and I brought this up because Goose Van Sant made Milk, the Harvey Milk biopic Ah, that we will be watching next week. He made a political gay movie instead of a Western gay movie. Uh, but it's still in the realm so you know it's why and also goose van sant i'm pretty sure is a member of our community also so i think that's why that matters um also like i was saying um so the film cost 14 million dollars to produce it ultimately ultimately made 83 million dollars domestically and um, 178 million worldwide. That's a great turnover. And uh, mostly it was set. It's the movie is mostly set in Wyoming, but was shot in Alberta, Canada, and sort of a couple of other places too, but primarily in Canada. Interesting. Um, I sort of bring, I guess, that up because mostly, again, the importance of this movie to me is the era that this movie comes out in mm-hmm. and the difference that it makes going forward. So this movie came out in 2005. Um, we just looked up earlier that the first time that gay marriage had been legalized in any state in the United States was in Massachusetts in 2003. So if you look at the Wikipedia page for this movie, a lot of it is really about sort of the reception in a way that, and I'll tell you already, we've already started kind of raving about this movie and it's very great. It's a extremely well-made movie, Mm -hmm. but also it was well received a by critics certainly. And then I think kind of by the audience too, a lot of people went to see this movie. It was an indie film or an independent film. And then a lot of people went to see it too, but also, so to me, I can kind of remember, I'm trying to put myself back in that phase Back in that time when I used to watch the Today Show at 7 o'clock in the morning and they would talk about the news. And at one point, I remember when states started, especially like in the Northeast, they started legalizing gay marriage yeah, and it was a big deal. It. Yeah. it was a huge deal. You had people on both sides of the issue always talking about it and always like kind of what they thought. And if you read the Wikipedia page, a lot of it talks about sort of controversies in the sense that conservative commentators really went after this movie 
and you know the quote unquote yeah i remember it having a ton of negative press the or gay press in general. agenda yeah. yeah like this is what they're doing with it but again if you watch this movie it's not about gay sex like that's not no, what it's about not even close and so many times i feel like that's what sort of the gay population of the queer community is reduced to is that it just like people just want to make it about sex but that's not what it's about and i mean we talk about like how many sex scenes are in this movie uh three and two of them there are, are with a man and a four. woman oh, there okay. are four off four. the top of my head but only one four. of them is between the two men yeah there are two between ennis and alma yeah. and there's one between jack and loreen and then there's one between jack and ennis oh huh so like that's not like like that's not yeah. what this movie is about so that's where the significance right. of this exactly movie right. okay that's where the significance the of one. this movie comes in is because it's not about gays and sex it's no. about Love. relationships or yeah i mean we're gonna do <laughs> it that is. i don't I mean, really, it is. but that's it is about. that's exactly what it's about and this movie i think came about at a time when this issue was contentious in our country and it came out at a time where i think that there had never been a movie with sort of a-list actors who had played gay and they had been the main characters and in a way that it wasn't a comedy like we'll talk about, I picked the birdcage to watch in a couple yeah. of weeks and the birdcage, it comes off as a comedy. We'd seen gay men as characters before and maybe even as leads, but typically they were either supporting characters or it's comic relief. That's all that it ever was. Yeah. This was sort of the first, I think, I think it was significant that this is one of the first mainstream movies that brought issues of the queer community sort of to the forefront forefront the lead characters were members of that. And the story is about them and about how they feel and about how they existed in the world. So that's really yeah. the most important part. I think of this movie is that I'm trying to place it within the context outside of the film and in the world that we lived yeah, in. And, and it's then not that an outrageous period. story as far as like the plot points go. Yeah, like none of I mean, it is outrageous it, in any way. I mean, it is about two gay men or two queer men, I would say. We don't really know their sexualities. And honestly, their well, sexualities... Well, they say they're not queer. They both say it. It's completely up for debate. They're both married to women. They both still regularly have relations with women. So we don't really know. It's totally debatable. We yeah. don't know really what they were. They never self-identify themselves. Oh. So we don't really know. I have, you know... I can put together a couple of things. I think that, but I, it's also just about character too. And it's about like what each of these characters needed versus what the other one did or what they needed from other people too. So, yeah, but that's sort of the importance. We've already kind of enveloped it. I think that this is an important film, the time period it came out in the reception that it got and going forward. I think that we see movies nowadays like the kids are all right. Like I talked about love Simon earlier on this podcast in a couple of episodes. And I just said, love Simon isn't about the fact that the guy is, I mean, it is about the fact that the main character is gay, but also it's that it doesn't matter that these are just people and they have say they have emotions and feelings just like anybody else does. Yeah. It's just that they might have feelings for a person that's of the same sex. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that that's that's a good production of background, and that relates to everything else we're talking about, and the whole the month of the series, 
you have some notes here. This is a serious Isaac episode because there are I pages just, of notes. I just went through the plot. A lot of this now. Oh, okay. Like I've hit a lot of the points that I kind I of wanted say, to make. How do you want to go about it? Because you could do the plot, but then again, I feel like you could probably surmise the plot really briefly. Oh, it's super quick. Without really, yeah, without giving anything away, and then, unless you wanted to, because we want to. I talk mean, I was going to run through the whole plot, but okay. you can do that. You know the. I mean, you split the movie into two parts. Yeah. The first part is Jack Twist, who's played by Jake Gyllenhaal and Ennis Del Mar, uh, which is Heath Ledger. They meet, they come to this guy, he's a sheep herder, and they're going to herd his sheep for the month, or for the summer, for a couple months, up on Brokeback Mountain. He sends them up there, they spend a couple of months together herding the sheep, they bring them back down. During that time, they're complete strangers, but they meet each other, and... This part is so, it's interesting because, again, like I said, a lot of this first part is images and just scenes of what they're doing. There's not a lot of dialogue, and it's not like one of them's like, oh, hey, I'm gay and I'm attracted to you. Like, it's just the two of them building a relationship that clearly becomes special for both of the characters. Yeah. Eventually, obviously, they do consummate their relationship after a drunken night, and... By the end of the summer, you know, they come back down and they have, they really feel something for each other. And they, the other person means a lot to them. I don't think that either of them understands it in a way to some extent. I think that Jack kind of does because I think that Jack is typically as a character more aware yeah, I mean, Ennis is committed himself. to his marriage that is coming up. So, And Ennis is afraid. Yeah. There's a lot of that. We talk about how Ennis, you know, brings up at some point, he's having a conversation with Jack, how there he knew that there were two um, gay men who were living together in his town, and then one of them was murdered. And Ennis even says, like, for all I know, my old man done the job. Well, like, I mean, he forced him to look at it, him and his yes. brother, right? And so I think we can... and. Annie Prue actually says in that sort of excerpt that I read from her that really this movie is about destructive rural homophobia because even Jack and Ennis yeah. to some extent are homophobic themselves. Yeah. And if they don't hate themselves, which is sort of debatable to some extent, especially with Ennis, I would think they're afraid of it no matter what. Yeah. Um, I think that you see through the movie that Jack is Jack wants so badly to kind of break out of that and to say that I don't care what other people think. I want to do what's going to make me happy. But Ennis, the whole movie full stop is afraid. 100% afraid because Jack gives him multiple opportunities. So after that summer at Brokeback, they go their separate ways. They spend four years apart. The next year, Jack comes back to try to work for the same sheep herder again um, Ennis doesn't show up, but he asks about Ennis and the sheep herder is basically like, Ennis hasn't been here, but also I'm not going to hire you because you're gay. And like, I know yeah. what you did. Um, so he's discriminated against Jack leaves. Both of them end up marrying people. Um, the Ennis character marries Alma, who is played by Michelle Williams. Uh, Jack marries Lorene, who's played by Anne Hathaway, which mm-hmm. we talked about was kind of interesting at this time because Anne Hathaway was the, you know, Disney princess. And she went and did this movie, which was people kind of made a big deal about, but, but, um, but then, so they go their separate ways. Four years later, Jack comes by, um, Ennis's house. He sends him a postcard. He says he's coming through town and they reconnect. And it's 
instantly like nothing had been apart. They're back to exactly what they wanted to be, sort of how they were. I mean, that's my favorite scene in the movie, really, because it's just such a reaction that neither of them can control their feelings for the other person. And that Ennis comes down the stairs and just grabs Jack and pins him up against the wall. And yeah, it also is what basically destroys everything they had a potential chance of having. Oh, 100%. Because this is, I mean, Alma sees, Ennis's wife sees that they're making out basically, like kind of in the shadows. And that starts the destruction of Alma and Ennis's marriage, which, which even if there from, even if yeah. there was anything before, we had already seen kind of shades of that this wasn't really going to work out long term. Um, yeah, and both he beat of them, those guys up, and she was all like, mm, "I don't like well, that." Well, and he liked to like oh, put yeah. it in the back door, yeah. and she wasn't she a wasn't fan. That, yeah. <laughs> like you can see, you can see things that it's not working in between those two people anyway. Ultimately, though, so they essentially come to an agreement, which is that Jack and Ennis get together a couple of times a year. They usually go out on a trip. I think I thought it was once a year just for. Okay. I think it was more than that. It's the movie isn't clear because like I said, or I told you before, at least the second part of this movie, every scene is important because it really does forward the plot along because yeah. in each scene, though, it's not. I mean, scenes can be months apart. They can be years apart. You see in one scene, Jack gets with Loreen and then the next time you see them, they're having a baby. So there's a lot that you just kind of have to fill in and go along with. Ultimately, both of their relationships disintegrate. Um, Ennis and Alma eventually end up divorced. They do have two daughters. And the first time Jack comes when they're still married, Jack tries to get Ennis to leave with him and go do their own thing. Ennis refuses because he's got a wife and kids. The next time Jack comes, we see Ennis is divorced, but he still won't leave his daughters. Mm. Um, eventually, Ennis and Alma, they separate. And Ennis still tries to stay in their lives. But Alma is so sort of... And it's such... A, all of the characters are so complex. They're just dealing with so many different feelings and emotions. And Alma, like, she's a scorned wife. But it's also, you can tell that she still feels... Like, she still loves Ennis. Yeah. And that's why she's so angry from the grocery store. Yeah. And that's why she's so angry and so hurt. But eventually they can't even be around each other anymore because she confesses that she knows and it just destroys all any sort of relationship that they can have together. Um, I'm sort of running through this really quick. This is a two and a half hour movie and there's a lot of plot. There's a lot of plot. We're just, you know, we're hitting um, the high points. Ultimately, I think that we're moving to the fact that Ennis still has trouble. Like he's very poor and he does, he doesn't keep jobs. The sort of jobs that he works don't stay around for very long. And so while meanwhile, Jack's wife sort of inherits their family business. So they have money. They can, you know, afford to be a little like willy nilly. He can run off on his, he works for his wife so he can run off on his trips whenever he wants. Ennis can't really get away on these trips. And so eventually um, it comes to a kind of a confrontation in that Jack still wants to be able to see Ennis. But honestly, we've seen that Jack has been kind of stepping out on his own anyway. Um, Jack and Lorene meet a couple played by David Harbour and Anna Ferris. And it's implied that Jack and the David Harbor, the David Harbor character sort of might have an affair. They might both be. And then at one point, Jack even says that when he hangs out with Ennis, that he's 
like having a relationship with somebody else down the street, a girl of like somebody's wife. (laughs) So, and we see also that Jack has explored Mexico. He's gone to Mexico. He's theoretically hooked up with a sex worker, a male sex worker down there. So Jack is definitely exploring his other options, even though we still see that he loves Ennis a lot. And Ennis is still his like number one. Yeah. Ultimately they have a fight over whether or not Ennis and Jack can get together in August. Jack doesn't un- Jack even he basically comes into a confrontation and Jack basically says, do you not think that if I could have stopped my feelings for you, that I would have done that already. And so it's, it's a rough moment because they're both confessing that they can't get rid of these feelings for each other, but they know that it's never really going to work and it's never going to be what they both want it to be kind of. And Ennis seems like he's satisfied with just having these, you know, this time together every once in a while. And Jack is certainly not. Um, Ultimately, Ennis sends a postcard that same year that says, Hey, November's going to work. We're going to get together. Then the postcard comes back deceased. Yeah. Um, so we know that Jack has died. Uh, Ennis calls Jack's wife, Lorene, and she tells him a story about how there, you know, Jack's tire went flat. He was blowing it up. It exploded. It exploded. The rim hit him. The the rim hit him and he drowned his own blood. And he drowned his own blood. That's exactly right. Uh, and his ashes, half of them were interred in down in Texas. Half of them were sent to his family because he wanted his ashes scattered on Brokeback Mountain, but Lorene didn't know where they were. She wanted to call Ennis, but she didn't know his phone number. She didn't know his address. Um, and that is a moment that's just, it's like the worst, right? Yeah. It's a terrible, awful like feeling. Yeah. It's not good for anyone. So uh, Ennis goes to see Jack's family. Um, and clearly his parents know, like they've, they know exactly what happened. And really this goes, I've a part that I sort of neglected was that Ennis fear of, I think not only did he have a commitment to his family, his fear was literally that if somebody found out that they would kill them. Yeah. And it, and while Lorene is telling Ennis this story of how Jack died, he's imagining Ennis imagines that, that's what happened. that Jack was the victim of a hate crime that he got beat by a tire iron, just like those people that just like the guy that Ennis had seen in his childhood, essentially because of his childhood and his dad. Yes. Yes. He feared that his whole life. And really once we go, once we go to visit, when we go with Ennis to visit Jack's family, it's kind of almost confirmed the way that his family is sort of acting towards Ennis. They know who Ennis is. Jack talked a lot about Ennis. Jack, dad says that Ennis was or that Jack said that Ennis was going to come up there and they were going to whip this ranch into shape and they were going to live together and build a cabin. So they know exactly who Ennis is. And at one, and the dad even says that a different guy was planning to come up with Jack to do what Jack said that he and Ennis were going to come to. So it's implied. I think that I think what Ennis feared about Jack really did happen. I really think that that's probably what happened. Yeah, that's that was my first thought as well, honestly. And because Jack was very sort of, he risked it in a way, and he wasn't afraid to, you know, make who he was known. A couple of times, we even saw. I think there was a scene at a bar where Jack comes up to somebody, and yeah. they know what he's a trying to clown, do. Yeah. yeah, and the guy's like, "Uh, no thanks." 
So Jack wasn't shy of that. And so it's probably what happened. Um, Jack's dad won't give Ennis the ashes to spread on Brokeback Mountain like Jack wanted, which is sad. But his mother is very kind. She allows Ennis to go see Jack's childhood room, which had been kept the same since he was a boy. And in the closet, we see that Jack had kept one of his shirts from a conf- uh, from Bar- from Brokeback Mountain, which we know because they had a confrontation and there was some blood on the, sh- on the sleeves. And inside the shirt that Jack had was one of Ennis's shirts. And so Ennis gets to keep those. He takes them with him. And then in sort of the closing of the movie, we have a scene with Ennis and his daughter, which I think matters because I didn't even notice that until I was watching it again. I watched the ending with you. And Ennis asks Alma Jr. if the guy that she's going to marry loves her. And she says that he does. And I think that that matters because at this point now that Jack or that Ennis, excuse me, Ennis has realized that him and Jack were really in love and that Ennis had never been in love with Alma or that other lady that he dated for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why it matters because Ennis had had such a hard life of, I thought I was in love with this person and look what I did to them and look what they did to me. And, but him and Jack were always the constant. So that's why he asked her that. And then the closing scene sort of is him looking at the shirt again. He looks at the two shirts. He has a, postcard from Brokeback Mountain which if you didn't notice in Jack's closet Jack's shirt was on the outside and Ennis's was on the inside in Ennis's closet Ennis's shirt on the Ah. the outside and Jack's shirt is on the inside Ah, I see and anyways that's the end of the movie yeah a real quick drive-by of the plot there but um I think we can talk about I think we sort of talked about some of the themes too really the themes is the themes are love and relationships kind of yes um, because it is a gay cowboy movie, but it's about more than the fact that they're just gay. It's that they're in love with each other. I mean, it's about the other characters in their love too, and how it sure. just the and whole how... situation, and more so the damage of the fact that like the fear and the way people treated it in the South caused so much South, pain in the West. In the West, <laughs> I guess, yeah. Too, I Texas, I consider South. I guess it's not South, but I mean, it's the South of the United States. But... Yeah, but you know, just how much damage that can have and how it'll affect other relationships and just, I don't know, <laughs> just the negativity well, and the yeah, hiding and, and how it's, it's just, I and mean, honestly, I watch this and this is a movie when it's the sort of thing that I still get so much out of it every time that I watch it, because it's about more than just plot. The movie rests on a lot of the actors and yeah. what they can do with the material. Mm-hmm. I mean, the four core sort of characters, I would say, which are, Jack and Ennis and Alma and Lorene. Lorene is like iffy. Yeah, but even that last scene where she's calling, where she's talking yeah, to she Ennis on the phone. There, but that's like the only scene where she's important, it seemed like to me. It is, but I mean, even that one scene, if it was in somebody else's hands, I don't think that it would have had the same impact because Lorene is delivering him this story that was concocted and you can see it all over her face. That Yeah she's lying and she's, but she's also lying to save Jack, I think in a way. Mm. And she knows that she's lying to Ennis because she knows that Ennis knows, but it's all over her face when she's talking to him on the phone that this is, she's literally saying, this is what I have to tell you, but 
you know and yeah. I know and she's sad about it because I think that she I still think that she cared about Jack because the way that she talks about Jack in that scene it's not out of anger like Alma yeah. when Alma and Ennis are together later on and they're divorced and they're having issues it's out of anger but it doesn't feel like it's out of anger for Lorene it feels like which Lorene and Jack didn't have like a great relationship I don't think and there are a couple of scenes that allude to this they're sort of together just for convenience well, she's distracted and- by work yeah, but it doesn't seem like she didn't care about Jack. It seems yeah. like she cared, and then she feels for both Jack and Ennis in that moment. And, like, I think that that's a fantastic scene. It is. And Michelle Williams does... There's so many complex... Every time I watch this, I feel differently about Alma, because she's, like like I said, she's, like, a scorned woman, because her man that she's in love with has this dark secret that he won't tell her, and he has done her dirty, is not being honest with her, but she still loves him. So that's a lot to do with. And even even when they, you know, Ennis comes to Thanksgiving with her and she can kind of confronts him about it, she knows, but it's still, like, she's still hurt by it and she she just wants him to own up almost in a way. Yeah, and, I think so. And he won't. And let me tell you, I read, I recent. I looked up today, I tried to Google a couple of other articles to see what they might kind of have said. Yeah. I think that really, in the grand scheme of things, this movie is kind of straightforward with the themes. There's not a lot to necessarily unpack there. Yeah. And true. like I said, I think it's more relevant, not even necessarily for the film itself, but it's context within the history of, um, I think, representations of queer people in yes. cinema. But I read this article from like it's out, which is like a, you know, it's like a gay website or whatever. And it was sort of a look back 10 years later, which of course Heath Ledger had already died. Yeah. But everything that you heard kind of about Heath Ledger and his Joker role, about his method acting and things like that, they said the same thing about him with Brokeback Mountain, which is, it just gives you a peek into such the depths that. Heath Ledger's acting that he really went to. I mean, he was an incredible actor. I mean, more so he tried to become other people than pretend to be other people. And That's exactly to the point right. That it killed him. And like at one point in the article, it said that Jake Gyllenhaal would kind of improvise. So he would do scenes differently. He would say lines differently, or he would try to this or try that. But Heath Ledger did his whole like method acting. He was really, he really was in Estelle Mar in those moments. And the one that I can talk about is when, Jack and Ennis separate for the first time after Brokeback Mountain. Jack drives away in his truck and Ennis kind of goes into the shadows the and barn. He, yeah. he's trying to throw up, but he can't throw up because these feelings inside him are just like overwhelming. He wasn't supposed to punch that wall. It was a real mm. honest to God brick wall and multiple people in that article. Cause it was basically an interview that they just sort of transcribed. Multiple people said he wasn't supposed to do that. And he almost broke his hand. Like, that's just how Heath Ledger used to yeah. do his acting. Yeah. And it's phenomenal. And honestly, I, and a big thing about the Heath Ledger is that in that book that I have where they talked about Annie Prue, she says that Heath Ledger brought an Estelle Mark to life. Mm. She said that she had never experienced something like that when she went to see the movie. And especially Heath Ledger just brought all this character that she had created in her own mind and she had developed that she said like it he was standing right there in front of her and i'm like that's an incredible sort of creative force both of them working together and understanding material and understanding people in the way that people are like and feelings and emotions that's crazy i have a spot i have a soft spot 
for Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that Jake Gyllenhaal does a great job of sort of, Jack is so kind of immature in a way and so optimistic. Like he doesn't understand how, what he is is supposed to fit into the world, which is what Ennis brings to it. But Jack is just so, he seems so young and he seems so like he just wants to try and immature in a way. Cause it's like kind of funny when he's like looking for his coat and Lorene is like, I don't know where your coat is. Like, and I'm like, that's just how Jack is. He's so optimistic and he wants to do this crazy thing where he wants Ennis to leave his wife and they're going to go run a ranch up at his famous house. Like that's, it's like even listening to it, you're like, that's crazy talk. But Jake Gyllenhaal just sells it as, Jack knows what's going to make him happy and he knows that that's what it is. And he's going to try his best to sort of rectify his own, what he wants out of his life and his own desires and make that happen. And that's a big, important thing for, I think that speaks a lot to like sort of how our community got to where we are now, which is that people were willing to defy what was seen as the status quo and what was supposed to be the norm. And they said, I'm not going to take that. And there were so many different, there are so many different people from so many different, they thought so many different things in our community and they fought tooth and nail. And a lot of times in a way that didn't end up well for them, Yeah. but they got what, you know, that's led us to where we are now. So to where we're allowed to do things like that because they fought for it. Are you ready for me to give my verdict or do you have some other I think you can give your you verdict. Do. I'm pretty sure I've covered all of the things that I am, I want to do. Yeah. Here. And I think you've done a great job and I mean, essentially spoken my mind. I've spent so much of this episode just saying yes to what you've said. So it's hard <laughs> I know for I me hate to, that. It's hard for me to cover anything. I feel like I was on a huge You were way prepared but... for this. No, you were prepared and there's like, there's well, not much I felt much like I, I had to, to I just want, I, I hate that it's a like joke. Like, because I watched this movie and it was important to me personally, but also I've studied. So I know the significance that the movie has. And it's not bad that it's a punchline. Like, yeah, it's funny. Like it's about gay cowboys, but the way it handles (laughs) its message is just like, it's heartbreaking and brutal and realistic in a way that makes it much more impactful than many, many movies that I've seen. Even if it's not that exciting, which is the only reason no, I'm giving it a I mean, 9.5 out of 10 instead of a 10 can, out of 10. I'm, I feel like with a 9.5, I'm satisfied. <laughs> yeah. So my definitely. friends, I'm, I had my friends, I've had a couple of friends watch it with me too. And they, you know, they're not members of our community so or anything. So nine and a half sheep out of 10. They were like the one that they let die. <laughs> yeah. The one that got eaten by the coyote. Well, yeah. And my friends had a problem. They're like, well, they don't end up together and one of them dies. It's so sad. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's sad, but because of the problems in the society. <laughs> right, exactly. Come on. Get with but it. It's so good. I almost stood there and half watched it again with you. While yeah, you, were no, watching you watched it earlier. a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, I guess that about wraps up for today. Yeah, I feel I good about you, that. I, yeah. I um, thought it was a great conversation yeah, so with th- me and myself and <laughs> you adding a little bit. <laughs> Thanks for checking out the Popcorn Brothers this week. Um, You can find us on social media at PBMC Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us online at popcornbrothersmovieclub.com. And I'll be updating the website for this current series and putting new information on there. And potentially hints towards maybe a new podcast that Isaac is making at some point. Oh, that's a little... Uh, is this under wraps? Okay. It's not okay. under wraps per se. We've already almost discussed it on here, but... Yeah, okay. We we'll won't. see about other... 
other podcast we won't get that into might that, come. But this is, we've got some big news coming down the pipeline, so stay prepared for that. And then um, you can email us at pbmcpodcast at gmail.com. Find all the episodes on your favorite podcast app where you can review us and give us five stars and let us know how amazing we are. We know. And uh, yeah, we're hosted on SoundCloud. Thanks for checking us out. This has been the Popcorn Brothers Movie Club. I'm Eli. I'm Isaac. And it's the club. Yeah.